and we're live. What is up, FGB Nation? Welcome back to a long overdue episode of the Fantasy Guru Bros podcast. I am joined today, as always, with my co-host, Dynasty Sneeko. How's it going, Sneaks? Pretty good. How you doing today, Ben? Pretty good. And then uh, we're joined by a special guest um, at FG Bros editor, Chris Chaffee. How's it going, Chris? It's going brilliant. Ready to rumble today. Yeah, so Chris is a huge part of the site. He's responsible for a lot of the posting, getting it done on time, getting all the good content out to you guys. So we're excited to finally get him on the pod. So as always, make sure to check out the site, uh, fgbros.com. Follow us on Twitter, at fgbros. Do all the fun little internet stuff on our podcasts. That means Apple Podcasts, reviews, likes, donations if we're lucky. But... (laughs) Yeah, we got a lot of good stuff going on uh, fgbros.com. We just posted up our week uh, 11 waiver wire article for wide receivers. And then we've got a pain points article that really dives deep into some of these injuries that's going on. So, yeah, lots of good stuff to check out. Um, Before we really dive into it, our apologies for the absence um, crazy two weeks in general, election, everything going on. We also are doing some shuffling around at the FG Bros uh, headquarters, you could say. So trying to make sure we optimize things that we get this shit running as efficiently as possible to keep the cool free content coming to you guys. Yeah, exactly. And on a personal note, I uh, went through a move over the last couple of weeks, moved across state borders. So if you've uh, seen less articles coming from me, um, it will return this week, I promise, and moving forward. Cool, yeah, and congrats on the move, Sneaks. Yes, sir. Life comes at you fast. Yep, so let's start here with just some news and notes from around the league. Um, I put two notes this week, and they're both injury notes. Just another reason to check out the Pain Points article. Uh, Drew Brees and Christian McCaffrey. Drew Brees is a new injury. Seems like he just about decimated both sides of his ribs and collapsed his lung. And McCaffrey is an injury from last week that the reports were all week. Week 11 would be his return. And now the timetable is up in the air. And anyone who's running towards the championship is kind of sweating it out and seeing when he's going to get back. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the Drew Brees thing is definitely uh, a big deal. And it looks like we'll talk about this a little bit later with some of our user questions. But I think this is why the Saints brought in Jameis Winston. I mean, Brees is 41, 42, um, you know, still playing good football. But, um, you know, your body just is not going to recover the way that it would if you're a young man. And it looks like he is just beat up at this point. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, yeah, just looking at his throwing motion, I mean, even before the crack ribs, I mean, Drew Brees, he was putting it together a little bit from a fantasy perspective, but the way that he has moved the ball downfield this season has not been the same. He has looked, uh, I I don't want to say it's as bad as that Peyton Manning 2015 Super Bowl season, but it's, uh, I thought that it was very similar um, with just how he looks. I mean, the only quarterback that I think who looks, you know, even scarier in terms of mechanics has been Phillip Rivers, and I'll get to him a little bit later. 
But uh, I, on the Drew Brees injury, just one thing that I want to mention is that Kamara owners are kind of licking their lips. And yes, I'm excited for them as well, but I don't really see how the ceiling gets any higher with him, seeing as, you know, he's consistently putting up these 25 plus PPR performances on a weekly basis. I don't see how there's any additional dump offs to him. I don't see how the Saints offense gets better without Drew Brees. As much as I love uh, my King Jameis Winston, Kamara will, he'll still have a solid floor. He'll still have a solid ceiling, but if anybody's moving in here and the Saints go to a run, uh, a more heavy run approach, it's going to be Latavius Murray. That's going to benefit from that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, like I, I don't think um, Kamara's ceiling or floor changes very much, but maybe some of the secondary options in uh, New Orleans will change. You know, the Emmanuel Sanders, the Jared Cooks. I mean, Michael Thomas is, you know, he's been a little disappointing, but he still has a massive ceiling. But some of the secondary options, I think Jameis will be a little more uh, likely to air the ball out where – Breeze was definitely, you know, a little bit more conservative. Yeah, and I, I usually I like the theory you kind of bring up, Chris, in terms of when a um, backup quarterback comes in, I do oftentimes like to grab that running back because of the dump-off potential. But the key thing there is most of these guys are backup-level quarterbacks, and this isn't what we're getting here. Jameis Winston is, in my opinion, someone who should have been signed to a starting deal somewhere. I – see some of the guys starting games weekly. And I, it just makes me laugh that the Saints managed to get him as their second guy. So this isn't some rookie who's coming in trying to learn the game, who's going to be doing a bunch of dump offs. This is someone who has known to throw the ball down the field with reckless abandon. And so I think he's probably going to be looking to bomb it more than Drew Brees ever was. So I'm not even sure it won't be a negative thing for uh, Kamara. Yeah. And then for the CMC injury, I mean, definitely disappointing. Um, Mike Davis has definitely not been the same Mike Davis uh, over the last several weeks, even the last couple weeks before CMC came back. So fantasy, you know, this team is three and six right now. Fantasy owners definitely have to kind of wonder um, if that backfield is going to keep producing. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's hurt. We don't know if he's going to play this week. Um you know, Carolina has been a nice kind of feel good story. They've played better than we thought they would, but I think that the, uh, the, this, you know, they're kind of losing steam at the end of the season here. Yeah. These are two, these are two teams that are trending in the opposite direction. I mean, you talked about the Panthers and how they started off hot. I mean, they play every game competitively, which lends to their run game still having purpose you know you're not like the Jacksonville Jaguars where you have to go away from the run you know at the start of the second half but ultimately this Panthers team is it's running out of steam um I mean Bridgewater being potentially unavailable is a huge detriment to Mike Davis and uh I think that he's shown more likely than not that he's been a a flash in the pan I there's very few players on that Carolina offense that I'm looking at uh you know, outside of DJ Moore that I'm really looking to start. And I know that we are going to get to some of those other ones later, but it's, uh, it's yeah. bleak in Carolina right now. Yeah. So I'll just pretty much let you guys, uh, your guys take stand for that one because I have Mike Davis and Robbie Anderson listed in upcoming segments. So that's when I'll do my <laughs> real digging in, but moving on to our next segment, we're doing some Twitter responses. Um, 
We do this every episode, so if you stay on your Twitter fairly consistently, you should have the option. We usually do it earlier in the day to leave a question and hopefully get it answered on air. Uh, we try our best to answer all questions on air or not, but you know this is probably the most in-depth analysis you're going to get, more than 140 characters for sure. So our first question is from bbump03. I thought this was a really interesting question. He asked, do we start DK Metcalf versus the Cardinals who shut him down a few weeks ago? And I'll let you take it away on this one, Sneak Up. Wow, Ben. Just this guy's pandering right into your lap. Um, your favorite player pretty much, right? What is, is DK Metcalf your favorite player? Is that confirmed? Yeah, confirmed. Um, Yes, yeah, so start DK Metcalf always and forever. Uh, doesn't matter who he's playing; he's an automatic start. Yeah, less than one hundred forty characters. Yeah, I mean, if I'd love to know who the three other wide receivers are in your lineup that you're starting over DK Metcalf this week. I mean, if you have that, that's an incredible problem to have. I mean, sure, you can say that the Cardinals shut him down. Pat Pete, Buda Baker, they all looked great. Whatever, he had the chase down. But if you, I mean, you can say that the Cardinals shut him down, but you can also say that, okay, after DK Metcalf has a three fantasy point game like he just did against the Rams, he bounced back uh, for 161 yards, 12 catches, and two touchdowns. So, I mean, you can play both sides of that coin. I think that Pete Carroll is too smart to uh, let DK Metcalf go silent again in this game. Yeah, so my answer here might surprise you guys. And obviously, DK is becoming one of those guys you do have to start every week just on upside potential. He's been one of those guys all year. But I thought it was an interesting question because DK has proven susceptible to these specifically fast elite corners. Um, these The physical corners in the league, he actually seems to be able to deal with pretty well and dominate just with athleticism. But someone like Patrick Peterson, who has absolute wheels and has for years, um, Jalen Ramsey, who might be one of the few people in the league who could keep up with him in a race. They, If you have one of those elite fast guys, Metcalf is not at the point yet in his career where he's going to beat you with his route running. And so you have to start him, but I am not – Super hopeful he has a boom game. I would probably say he has less than 10 points, which pains me to say about my boy DK. Wow. So moving on to our next question. This is from Jake Ritter. Um, his username is Ritz Twits. So make sure to go give him a shot, a sh a shout <laughs> out. And um, his question was Another one that at first I was like, this is kind of obvious. And then I thought about it a little more and it really kind of piqued my interest. And that's Jameis Winston or Tom Brady this week. Take it away, Chris. Oh, man, uh, that's a tough one. I mean, so I coming as a Patriots fan, I mean, you got to always think about starting Brady. But Jameis holds a special place in my heart when it comes to the fantasy world. I mean, Brady has been solid this year, and I think that he's had – when he's boomed, he's really boomed, right? Um, you know, you look at a couple of the performances that he's had. You know, he's in the mid-30s for some of these games. But I think that when you kind of look at his downside, he also uh, – even outside of the Saints game uh, last week, you know, 38-3, horrible. He's had some really rough performances against defenses that can hang in there. Uh, Carolina, at the start of the season, when they were fresh and when they had no injuries – Green um, and Chicago, particularly when he forgot the downage. I mean, 
<laughs> Brady has shown some signs of decline there. And I think that it's become apparent that he is a bottom of the QB1 listing. I, uh, I'll, I'll take the chance with Jameis. You're going against the 32nd ranked pass offense. I think the, car, the Falcons have let up, have only given up less than 20 points twice this season, I want to say. Uh, I'm rolling with my guy, Jameis. Yes, Nico? Yeah, I'm, I'm going uh, Jameis this week for sure. Uh, you know, Buccaneers are playing against the Rams. The Rams have only allowed 18.7 points per game this season. Um, you know, the Rams have looked very good uh, over the majority of their games this year. They look like they're putting it together, uh, especially on defense. Uh, the games that they've lost have, have not been because of their defense. It's it's been because the offense has looked rather shaky, but and then you've got Jameis going against the Falcons. Um, you know, last year was a perfect example of you don't have to be a great quarterback to be a great fantasy quarterback. Uh, Jameis Winston, you know, was a he was a free pickup in a lot of the leagues that I had, and he took many of my teams to championships. So pick up Jameis if you have another option this week as, uh, aside from him. Maybe don't play him this week. I would take the wait-and-see approach. But it is a great matchup, and having James Winston, um, you can do worse than having James Winston in your starting lineup. And going forward for the rest of the season, this is the kind of guy that could be a potential league winner if he is allowed to air the ball out like he has been in the past. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I was hoping maybe we wouldn't all reach an agreement on this, but I think <laughs> if you look at the common fantasy consensus, we probably are taking the contrarian view here. Um, if you really paid attention to Jameis's career and the Saints offense and everything, I think it is a pretty easy choice, especially with Brady going against an offense that just made an MVP-level Russell Wilson look like. I mean, absolutely terrible. I was trying not to curse there. That's how bad that performance was. But, yeah, and then Jameis, he's not only going to be with probably the most innovative uh, offensive mind he's been with, he's also extremely motivated to play well. I could very well see Jameis Winston absolutely lighting it up, hopefully getting rid of some of his turnover issues. Maybe Mike, having Michael Thomas always open on slants will help with that decision-making process. And yeah, I mean, if he comes in and puts up four or five huge games, he might be someone's starting quarterback next year. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is the exact model for that with the same Saints team last year. So yeah, a motivated Jameis with Sean Payton and some good, uh, and Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas around him. I'm probably taking him almost the rest of the season over Brady, unless Brady's got a really plus matchup. So I'm looking at a couple other uh, fantasy football websites here. Looking at the fantasyfootballers.com. They have Tom Brady ranked 10th this week and Jameis 12th. Uh, looking at Fantasy Pros, which takes all their consensus rankings and puts them together. They've got Tom Brady 11th and Jameis 14th for this week. So you're talking about two guys that are back-to-back -back pretty much in uh, a lot of rankings, but uh, with Tom Brady being ranked slightly ahead of Jameis, but I personally am taking Jameis in this one. Yeah, so that's that's three votes for Jameis. So he can <laughs> eat another W. You got to take the contrarian viewpoint when you can. Nobody, uh, nobody clicks on this and says you guys are idiots if we all pick Brady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's move on to our starts of the week. 
Um, we'll go through each position, yeah, each guy. So we each picked. So uh, Nico, you go first, and it's a little <laughs> redundant. <laughs> yeah. So what do you know? My start of the week is going to be Jameis Winston versus the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta is a bad team uh, with a bad defense. Uh, Jameis is coming into a great situation. He's got a, a defense, decent offensive line. He's got arguably the best running back in the game, arguably the best wide receiver in the game, even though he's Michael Thomas has had a very rough year so far this year. Uh, he's, he's got a great coach uh, there in Sean Payton. Um, this is probably going to be the best situation that Jameis Winston has ever come into. So let's see if he can take advantage of it and possibly earn himself a starting job uh, for next year because it, I – if Breeze comes back after the injuries he sustained this year, uh, he's uh, that's insane. I, I don't see him playing another season. So, uh, yeah, James Winston, fire him up this week. I have him slotted in in a couple of my leagues. Yeah, I like it. So we'll move on to my quarterback start of the week. And this is one where if you would have told me a couple years ago or even a couple months ago that I would be saying this, I, I mean, I would say you're dead wrong, and that's Alex Smith versus the Bengals. Um, <laughs> Alex Smith playing extremely well. I almost felt like it's a little redundant to throw him on a start-sit list. He's playing at, at starter level right now, but people are going to start catching on. He has a very plus matchup this week against the Bengals. Um, when you look at that team, it was really – every piece was there except for a quarterback and that quarterback could even be a game manager like Alex Smith. And so I think Alex Smith is already giving t uh, McLaurin owners early return. And I think he's going to be a help to Gibson and overall that offense, I think they're going to be a team to beat, especially when you look at the other teams with their records, they're one of the only few that are actually still in it and trying to compete. And those few are all the NFC East, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anyone in that division could win. And Alex Smith might be the best quarterback in that division right now. Yeah, I I mean, great point. And I just wanted to touch for a little bit on Alex Smith as well. I mean, he last week he had 390 yards. That's a career high for him. He is crushing it. Like, he is not just exceeding expectations. He is blowing them out of the water. So, uh I think he's had one touchdown, one touchdown in the past two weeks as well. I mean, he's due for some regression to the mean. I know that the means happened in 2015 or so when he was the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback and he couldn't find the end zone with a wide out. But uh, Smith, great choice. I totally agree wholeheartedly. Real quick, uh, while we're talking about Alex Smith, let's, let's get a start set question. Alex Smith or Carson Wentz? <laughs> So I was debating between those two to put in my starts, but I'm going with Alex Smith. I, th I think he's safer. Um, Wentz is just sometimes this year had no time, and it doesn't look like he's getting any help in that regard. Uh, Jalen Rager coming back is huge, and I'll touch on him later. But even with Rager, he's not Justin Jefferson. He's not one of the C.D. Lamb, one of these guys who – is going to be open within a second of the ball being snapped. Jalen Rager needs time to develop his game, and Carson Wentz needs time to develop his game, and it's just not there for him. So I'm going with Alex Smith. Yeah, Smith has my vote of confidence as well. I mean, just looking at the Washington defense as well versus the Bengals offensive line, I think that uh, you're going to find that Joe Burrow will be on the sidelines a lot, giving Smith a lot of time of possession here. I uh, 
I, I just can't see how Alex Smith uh, gets outperformed by Carson Wentz this week. Too inconsistent, too, uh, too scary for me. Yeah, so that's an interesting question, though. But moving on to our next start sit, this is Chris's start quarterback. And this is another one where if you would have told me a couple months ago that we were going to be listing this name in a start sit, I'd say, well, duh. But it's warranted to put him in this list because it really is a consideration at this point. So yeah, with you, all that, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, if you've owned Lamar Jackson in your league, you've known that it's been a roller coaster this season. I mean, even though he looked like he had some big struggles against the Patriots last week, he still ended up putting up 21 points, finishing around borderline QB1 levels of production. And like Ben said, I mean, if this were a couple weeks ago, it would have been, uh, yeah, duh. I, uh, Tennessee just got eviscerated by Phillip Rivers, who looks like he is trying to push the ball forward whenever he attempts <laughs> forward pass. Lamar Jackson is 10 times the quarterback that Phillip Rivers is right now. He has a revenge game right now against the Tennessee Titans, knocking them out of the playoffs last year. I think that Coach John Harbaugh is just way too smart to allow his team to get beat twice by the, uh, to get fooled again by them. It just doesn't. I don't see how Lamar Jackson doesn't finish with 20 plus points this week. Yeah, I think that's a solid take. So with that, that wraps up our quarterback section. So let's circle back to Nico and get your running back start of the week. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, go back to the well here and I am going Kenyon Drake uh, back from injury last week. Uh, You know, a lot of people were very excited for Chase Edmonds to get his opportunity with Kenyon Drake out, and what do you know? Ken, uh, he didn't quite uh, take advantage of the opportunity that he had. So now you've got Drake back, and in a game against Buffalo last week, he played over half of the sm- snaps, 52%. He got the majority of the carries. He got more carries than Chase Edmonds did uh, with 16, he, and he was very productive on those carries, taking him for 100 yards. So I do think Drake um, has that backfield back you know he's taken it back completely since coming back from the injury and then he's got a great matchup against Seattle this week so fire up Kenyon Drake put Chase Edmonds on your bench and unfortunately it looks like a lot of people were wrong on the Chase Edmonds hype yeah just one quick thing on the Edmonds situation I know we're not a dynasty podcast but I just thought this was interesting I don't think I've ever seen a value swing quite like Chase Edmonds. There was one week about where people were giving up first plus for him. Yeah, everyone thought he was about to come in and take over that job from Drake. And I mean, if you made a huge trade thinking Edmonds was going to get that backfield and then never give it back, you're not feeling great right now. Yeah. So on to my start of the week at running back. This is more of a lesson in just fantasy theory of mine than it is an actual player I really think is super talented and that's Mike Davis I think Mike Davis as long as Christian McCaffrey is out has to be in your lineup barring matchups like the Buccaneers the Steelers top defenses Um, he's early in the season he was looking like maybe he would be a flashy guy who was going to really produce on his carries and really show out but he, he's just looked like just a guy, but then again, a, a Jag who gets 25 touches in an offense that's looked de- decent, you are probably going to have to plug him into your lineup every week that they have a solid matchup. And this week against the Lions is just that, a pretty easy matchup. 
So I think Mike Davis is probably going to be one of the least sexy guys that you have to start for the rest of the season, or at least until Christian McCaffrey's back. Yeah. And that I, brings us to Chris and your RB start. Sure. So, I mean, what better preface can you have than a player that has succeeded after getting away from Adam Gase? I mean, I swear that this guy's kids, they're going to be like 3.0 students in high school, and then they're going to go to college. They're going to be valedictorian. They're going to succeed <laughs> in all the sports. I mean, I just can't – I don't know what sort of – he has the opposite of a green touch with uh, with players. So, uh, Kalen Ballage is my start of the week. He has uh, – not last week, but the week prior, he, uh, he was on the field for fewer snaps than Josh Kelly – and he outtouched them and everyone was kind of shake was kind of you know questioning scratching their heads and uh this week it really got solidified he was on the field for almost 70 to 75 percent of the snaps uh that he got from the running backs anthony lynn has given him the vote of confidence and uh ballage looks ready to roll i mean even he looks to even have some minor sort of role even when austin eckler returns so I think that this week he is a high-end RB2 going against the New York Jets. And I think that rest of season, he still probably has some moderate flex appeal depending on how they want to get Austin Eckler back into the mix. Yeah, I I think it's the perfect story of two coaches because Adam Gase has the opposite of the green touch when it comes to running backs. And Anthony Lynn, for all of his faults, is probably the best running back coach in the league. That's what he did before he ended up the coach for the Chargers. It's what he played in the NFL. He turned Austin Eckler into a beast. He's making Balazs look good. I mean, I really trust Anthony Lynn when it comes to developing running backs. And Balazs is someone who had an extremely, extremely favorable athletic, um, athletic scores, very fast, very big. So, I mean, he's a freak, and so he needed the right coaching, and I think he might have landed in the right place with Lynn. So, yeah, I, I like him. To, I just wanted to say, you bring up his measurables. He had a 4-4-4 40-yard dash, and his broad jump was over 10 feet. That is out-of-this-world numbers. It's eye-popping. And at what, about 6 six foot, like 230? 6'2", two, 230, yep. Yeah, yeah, so a big guy who moves fast, just needed some coaching. Let's hope he's getting it. Moving on to wide receivers. Nico, who you got? So I'm going to bring up a guy that's been mostly disappointing this year, and uh, f- following the Odo Beckham injury, we were expecting more, um, but have not quite seen it yet, and that's going to be Jarvis Landry. Uh, since, um, since OBJ went down that first, uh, game post Odell Beckham, Jarvis received 11 targets, uh, against the Raiders in what was possibly the worst weather game I've ever seen. Um, that I I'm from and live in currently Northern Ohio. So we see some crazy weather here. Um, and then followed it up with the following game with weather that was just about the same. Um, the weather here in Ohio um, during the fall, especially on the on Lake Erie, can be intense sometimes. But that being said, he is going against a Philadelphia Eagles team that is horrible against the pass and relatively stout against the run. Uh, an Eagles team that has at times put up points. I think Baker Mayfield is going to have to throw the ball more than he has over the last several games. He only threw 20 passes against Houston because 
he only had to throw 20 passes against Houston. Uh, and of those 20 passes, six of them or 30% of them went to Jarvis Landry. So Jarvis is going to be the main target for Baker. Uh, my assumption is Baker is going to have to throw the ball a little bit more uh, against the Eagles than he has in the past. And it may not be pretty, but a lot of those targets to Jarvis are going to be closer to the line of scrimmage anyways and letting Jarvis um, – get the opportunity to run with the ball after the catch. So I will uh, definitely have Jarvis in my lineup this week, and I'll be expecting a much bigger output from him than I have gotten from him over the last couple weeks. Yeah, and that's actually the perfect segue into my start of the week at wide receiver, which is Jalen Rager. So pretty much just flip side of that coin, I think that it's going to be a fairly high-scoring game between the two sides. I think Baker's going to have to throw a lot. I also think Wentz is going to have to throw a lot. So Rager has been one of those guys who has been millimeters away from breaking out for weeks. Um, During one of those really poor weather games, he had a couple of deep balls where he was open and just, they just couldn't get it to him. The wind really affected the ball. Um, He's getting some of my favorite touches that I really look for in a wide receiver. And those are those design touches where they, flare him out in the backfield or it's obvious that I think on one of one of his touchdowns this year Carson Wentz rolled out and it was only blockers and Jalen Rager on that side of the field so it was going to him no matter what and I like seeing that I really like seeing that confidence from a coaching staff this early it gives me shades of Chase Claypool before his big breakout, and I think Rager could get to Claypool levels weekly uh, where he's just smashing for you. So let's move on to your start of the week at wide receiver, Chris. Sure. So this one was one that I really I had to look at my lineup and ask myself if this was just wishful thinking or not. But going deeper into it, I thought that DJ Chark is due again for a bigger – performance than what he's listed at this week going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, everyone talks about how vaunted their secondary is, how good their defense has been, and Pittsburgh, in the right, uh, Pittsburgh has had a relatively solid scoring defense, but in terms of their touchdown distribution, uh, a lot of those come to wideouts. I think they've given up 12 touchdowns this year to wide receivers. Um, DJ Chark, I feel um, like they have not uh, made their offense one dimensional, even with the benching slash injury of Gardner Minshew. You can call that what you will. I have my own opinions on it. But uh, Lutton, he is thrown for 38 and 35 attempts in both games. So I think that once again, the Jaguars will be ca- playing catch up. I think they had their chance to play David versus Goliath last week and they came up just short. The Steelers rolled the Bengals last week. Uh, they're looking like the team to beat in the AFC right now. And I, uh, I see Lutton having to throw, once again, close to 40 attempts. And some of those are going to go to Chark. Uh, it's been a little bit puzzling with uh, the target share. He got 12 against the Texans and then only five this past week in a competitive game against the Packers. So you might not know what you're getting. There's going to be a lot of volatility potential in DJ Chark, but if you need somebody with a high ceiling, I mean, look no further. Yeah. And I mean, Lutton's been looking his way. Um, Lutton looks to be decent. And if you watch the game, 
there was probably about a 70, maybe 75 yard touchdown that Lutton just left short, uh, so obscenely short that the quarter, the cornerback came up and knocked it away. But I mean, if they would have connected on that, you'd be talking about a disappointing um, day in the complete opposite light. It probably would have been about a 20, 24 point day for him. So he's got that potential. And I, I actually think Lutton looks is probably looking to him more than Minshew was. So all good things for him. I debated putting him in my sits just because the Steelers have proven extremely, extremely difficult. But rest of season with Lutton at quarterback, I like Chark's outlook a ton. So that, unless you got something to say about Chark, Nico? No, no. Let's jump into the cool. sits of the week here. Um, we'll go through these a little bit uh, more quickly. But my sit of the week at the quarterback position is going to be Ryan Tannehill against Baltimore um, for two reasons. I think, uh, you know, Baltimore may be looking to, um, you know, get things going after the a surprise loss to the New England Patriots. And uh, their defense is also relatively beat up um, on the defensive line and up front. So I think this will be a heavy Derrick Henry game. Um, and Ryan Tannehill has slowed down since he had a, a great start to the season. He hasn't looked nearly as good over the last couple of weeks, um, especially, you know, we saw it against the good Colts defense last Thursday night. Tannehill definitely struggled. And um, the team, you could tell they were they were trying to get Derrick Henry going. And Derrick Henry got going. Unfortunately, Tennessee had just gotten behind. So – I think the the strategy for uh, the Titans is going to be to get Derrick Henry going early and keep the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands and just kind of you know play a kind of a grungy style of game and just whittle the the time down and hopefully win a close one. Yeah, I like it. Um, so yeah, like you said, we'll go quickly through our sits. So I think we'll each just give our little spiel and then move on. But I picked Joe Burrow this week. Um, Washington defense hasn't been incredibly stout this year apart from their week one performance. But a lot of that is due to health, which they've been getting healthier and healthier. I think we're finally getting back to a full speed Chase Young. And that's a really dangerous thing to have on a defensive line. I think that they're their whole defense, even with Landon Collins gone, uh, Cameron Curl has came in and looked pretty dynamic as a safety. So I think they're a defense that's on the up. I'm not sure Joe Burrow is going to be able to deal with the pressure on that one. And additionally, I'm not so sure it's going to be a super high scoring game. There's also plenty of game scripts where the Bengals get up early and have to run out the clock. Washington has been so up and down for my faith in Alex Smith. He could also throw up a dud. So there's a lot of avenues to Burrow having a poor day, and I don't see a ton of upside for him. So if you got a Jameis or someone, you, I mean, just someone in a more plush matchup, I, that's the way I'm going. So, Chris, who you got for your sit quarterback? Yeah, so just wanted to jump on Washington real quick. I wrote a waiver piece about them, and they've had four games with one sack, and they've had three games with five plus. So I think that this is a great opportunity for them to even that out. 
Um, so my, uh, my sit for quarterback this week is Matt Ryan. Uh, I'll keep it brief. He's going against new Orleans. He's looked kind of meh against them in his career. New Orleans has had two absolute lockdown games, the 38, three against the, uh, Buccaneers. And then last week against the 49ers, they, um, they just made life hell for both of those quarterbacks. So I, uh, I think that Todd Gurley is going to see more of the same, more of the same volume that he's gotten throughout the season. Uh, Matt Ryan finishes outside the top 12 this week. Yeah, I like it. So let's transition on to running backs. Now, who are you sitting this week, Sneeko? So I'm going to go ahead and sit Gio Bernard. He's been a nice, um, you know, he's been a nice play with Joe Mixon out. I think Joe Mixon is going to be out again, unless something changes. Um, but it's trending towards, you know, another Gio Bernard backfield, uh, you know, against Washington. I think he's going to have tough sledding. It's just a, a good defense. Uh, I think that we're kind of cooling on the Bengals here. Um, you know, the Bengals have shown some signs of life with Joe Burrow, which is great, uh, but they're not a playoff team. Um, I don't think Zach Taylor is a very good coach. So we're just going to uh, throw that out there. Um, and I, you know, I think this team kind of starts to shut it down, uh, as we get closer to the playoffs. I think, I think one thing you got to remember is that, you know, as some of these teams get closer to the end of the season and they're out of playoff contention, uh, yes, they may give their, their effort. They're all on the field, but you know, some of these borderline injury guys are probably going to, to most likely be held out unless, you know, they're needed for teams trying to, to win. So uh, the Bengals are not going anywhere for this year. It only helps them to continue to lose and um, hopefully draft some offensive linemen next year. So it'll be a tough game for the Bengals. I think uh, Geo does not come through for fantasy owners. Yeah, so we got a bunch of bang, a bunch of Bengals listed, so <laughs> yeah. watch out for that game. So my running back sit of the week is really just a roundabout way to praise my new franchise quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. I think that against this broken-down Broncos defense, Tua is going to take them to an early lead. I don't think they're going to rely on the run a lot. I think that the Broncos are going to be thrown to get back into this game. And so for that reason, I'm sitting Melvin Gordon and other Broncos running backs. So as a Dolphins fan, looking for any way to bring Tua into the conversation. But that being game, said, I do Game think- manager. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on that one. But, yeah, that's my reasoning there. I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game for the Dolphins. I think the Bronx are going to be thrown back into it. So let's move on to Chris's running back sit. Who you got? I got Duke Johnson this week going. Uh, he's at home against the New England Patriots. Uh, we saw in Sunday night football, the Patriots effectively bottled up J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards broke off a few runs and looked all right. But ultimately, the run game was really not there too much for the Ravens. They had to rely on the legs of Lamar Jackson a little bit more than they'd like. And Deshaun Watson still does have that upside as well. But I just I don't see how Duke Johnson does super well this week, you know, RB2-esque numbers with the fact that he had, you know, multi-team carries last week. He almost had a season high. He His quarterback was only through 30 attempts, which is almost unheard of in the Texans offense. Usually he's closer to 40. 
Um, he had a golden opportunity last week in a game where you effectively could not pass the ball, as Sneak said earlier. Cleveland's weather was ridiculous, and he didn't make a great opportunity out of it. The only way that Johnson has a great performance this week is if he's able to find the end zone. And I think that the Patriots are shoring up. They're trying to make a playoff run. And I expect uh, the Texans to lose by double digits to the Patriots. Yeah, I like it. So let's get into wide receiver sits. So Sneeko's first one fits the Tua narrative a little bit. Yeah, so I'm going to talk uh, a little bit about why Miami's been winning games, and it's because of their defense, um, which has been very strong so far this year. It's been a great surprise, you know, a very well-coached team, and, you know, they just kind of have a quarterback that has been, um, you know, managing the game for them. So, uh, But I'm going to sit Jerry Judy this week, who is going up against that uh, Miami defense that has looked outstanding um, I, I like Judy as a player. Uh, I, I don't think he has a very good quarterback, though. Drew Locke has not shown anything this season to suggest that he's a franchise quarterback. They've been out of games early and had to, you know, really try to make up a, a very large deficits, which is what has led to Jerry Judy racking up some stats recently here. Um, and, you know, perhaps in comeback time, Jerry Judy will get some points and, Fantasy points or fantasy points. So if you don't have any other options, uh, Jerry Judy will likely get targets, but he's going to be covered um, uh, by uh, you know several of the better safeties in the league uh, this week um, with the Miami backfield uh, defensive backfield there. So I'm not confident in anybody from the Broncos um, for this week. Again, Miami defense, the reason why they're winning games, uh, they were winning games before uh, they got, you know, a new quarterback. And I think they'll continue to win games because of that defense. So sit Jerry Judy. That's my sit. If you didn't yeah. get <laughs> from, yeah, from that rant. Yeah, we, we both gave the most roundabout sits for the last two. but And I promise you guys, we didn't look at this really conspired together to pick uh, we both independently picked to sit people from the Bengals offense and from the Broncos offense. So I, that gives you an idea of where we're at with those matchups. Uh, moving into my wide receiver sit, this one's a little bit of a cop-out, I've got to say. But I'm saying you sit Chris Godwin or maybe A.B. I don't know which one of them draws Jalen Ramsey, and that's not as an AB owner. That's just genuinely AB might be the most talented route runner in the league, but he's been gone for a while. He's not back to being an alpha. Chris Godwin has was an absolute alpha last year and, and just getting target after target. It's going to be really interesting to me to see which one of these wide receivers the Rams ends up putting Ramsey on. Um, I think the whoever's opposite will probably be okay. But I'm going to go with Mike Evans out of the three for this week, just on touchdown potential. And I don't think they're going to try to clamp him up with Ramsey. But yeah, if you can afford to sit Chris Godwin, I would. He still is catching like he's Spock with two fingers taped up. So that's worrisome to me, but he's been making the best of it. And then A.B., I really wanted to put him in my starts this week, and then I saw the matchup. So I think maybe you wait one more week before you start trusting him like the wide receiver one I think he's going to be on the year. 
So with that, we move into another matchup from the other side of this game. Who is your uh, sit wide receiver, Chris? Yeah, so, I mean, looking at this week, the biggest thing that factored into this decision was uh, Andrew Whitworth going down. Jared Goff is going to get pressured all the time. He is not going to be able to force it downfield. I think that that really does not bode well for Bobby Trees, our man Robert Woods. He (laughs) is looking – I mean, he's been producing solid wide receiver two numbers throughout this year, lots of double-digit games, but I just – Goff, when he gets hit, he uh, he starts crumbling. He does not. He looks like the rookie version of himself, a version that Sean McVay cannot coach. And no matter what the scheme is, I think that uh, the Rams will have to shift to a more balanced approach. I think that they'll be running more intermediate to short routes. I think that that lends itself better to uh, the Cooper Cups of the world, the tight ends. If you want to roll with Higby or Everett, be my guest. I will stay away from that headache. And if you want to try to pick a running back for out of that backfield, be my guest. But uh, Bobby Trees, I mean, you still probably start him in the flex if you have him because uh, there aren't too many options out there. But temper your expectations because I think that the 25-plus point performances are a thing of the past for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think this is a deceiving game. Rams versus Tampa Bay. Everyone thinks it's going to be two high-powered offenses. I think it's more likely going to be Aaron Donald putting Brady on his you-know-what and Jared Goff running away from those linebackers all day long. So betting-wise, I'm taking the under on that. It's not going to be the clash people think it is. So let's move on to our next segment. This is my weekly segment, the buy-sell uh, this week, I have a really, really strong buy, someone that I wish we could have gotten up last week because I think he might be a league winner, and that's Raheem Mostert uh, for the Niners. He's become kind of a lost man in the fantasy community due to his IR stint, which looks to end in week 12. Uh, the narrative going into the season was that Shanahan would make whatever running back was leading that uh, backfield look good. And I don't think that's been the case. For fantasy, they've been fine. McKinnon, when he started, has been getting mass targets that boosted him up. Tevin Coleman looked okay. Michael Hastie's looked okay. Jeff Wilson, I mean, he wasn't putting up huge yardage, but he was scheming him touchdowns. But it's just become apparent to me. Mostert, I thought, was a complete – I'll be the first to admit, for a while, almost two years, I thought he was a complete just scheme player. I thought he was Kyle Shanahan – like McBay made and that Kyle Shanahan could pretty much make any running back into a star. But in his absence, that has not been the case. And when he has been in that offense, he's looked absolutely dynamic almost every time. He's You look at the top speeds in the NFL the past couple of years, he's atop the list at 23 multiple times. I mean, he's not just a guy being propped up by an offense. He's an extremely talented football player who got locked in the mix of scouting. So – Get Mostert. He he's pro, he could be a league winner as long as he stays healthy. And I think with everything Shanahan's seen, he might even get more trust than before he left. And then looking at my sell players, this is a little bit piggybacking off what we said earlier, but I'm saying sell Robbie Anderson. Now, this is different than some of my past sells. I don't think it's a sell at all costs. He looks like specifically rule who coached him in college is making him a priority. He's going to get a lot of touches, but 
they've been going down. Teddy Bridgewater is really has an affinity for him that I'm not sure we'll see with the next quarterback. Uh, it's, we'll have to figure that out when PJ Walker gets extended looks, but I think Robbie Anderson, you could still sell at the price of a wide receiver one, just based off those 14, 15 reception and targets that he was getting early on in the year. That was really propping up his numbers that are starting to trail off. And so if you can get a high end wide receiver two, who's scoring less than Robbie Anderson, but is maybe more boom potential, I would trade Robbie Anderson for DJ Moore straight up for sure. So, yeah, I think Robbie Anderson is someone you capitalize on a hot start off of. And so that is my buy-sell for the week, which brings us into Nico's free agent deep dive. So take it away, Nico. Yeah, so the purpose of the deep dive is not necessarily somebody that you're going to plug into your roster right away. But these are guys – this is a guy who is definitely um, sitting on your – um, waiver wire right now that may be worth a speculative ad to kind of wait and see. Um, and that guy for me is going to be Denzel Mims. Um, he's a guy that's only 15% owned. Um, he's somebody that has pretty much been a bust so far this season, just like anybody that is coached by Adam Gase is. Uh, that being said, it looks like Joe Flacco is going to continue to be the quarterback, at least for the foreseeable um, future this year for the Jets. And uh, Denzel Mims is now in his third game back from injury. He's He was slightly eased in since coming back, uh, playing 80% of snaps in his first game. But he's now been at 97 and 96% over his last two games and received eight targets last week. So Denzel Mims is a guy that – you know, throw them on your waiver wire, on your, um, I'm, I'm sorry, grab them off the waiver wire, throw them on your bench. And perhaps, you know, Joe Flacco is given the opportunity to air the ball out a little bit. Um, he has shown in the past that he can throw uh, the deep ball with some accuracy. And Denzel Mims is definitely a guy that can fly. So, um, you know, perhaps the Jets want to try to get him involved so that they can see what they have uh, with him for, the future because obviously they're not going anywhere this year. So Denzel Mims worth a shot. Um, throw him on your bench. See what happens. Yeah. I like that extremely athletic guy who's starting to get some targets. So that's always a nice recipe. So whenever we have a guest on the podcast, we give them the option to pick one segment of their choosing. So this is Chris's segment. Why don't you give it a little introduction? Yeah, so I was looking to have a little bit more of a Socratic seminar on this, and I know that we got to wrap up soon, so I'll just hit all of my talking points on this. But I wanted to take a look back at some of these 2019 rookie wideouts and how they've progressed into their sophomore season, maybe what we've learned from it, who's moved up and down, and uh, really who you want on your team going forward. So, I mean, just looking at this list, you know, Marquise Brown and Akila Harry, huge fallers, Debo Samuel. You know, you probably don't know too much about him with some of the injuries. And then you have some huge risers in the forms of your A.J. Browns of your world and D.K. Metcalf and Deontay Johnson. There's nobody else on my team, however, though, that I want other than Terry McLaurin. I think that he is probably the wide receiver one from this class. He sees an incredible amount of volume. He's doing it with a average quarterback, I would say, with Alex Smith. But uh for whatever reason, Terry McLaurin produces at the same as these 
guys that I want to say have more name value than him, even though they've been in the league the same time. They have the same amount of flashy plays. I uh, I don't know where the uh, the silence or what the, what the reason is for the silence on Terry McLaurin when I think that he is uh, the best player from this 2019 wide receiver class. And then I just wanted to do a fun little exercise. I it's been 10 weeks into the season, so we have we have had enough time for our hot takes to develop. I want to know if this 2019 class is better than the 2020 class. In my personal opinion, I think that the class of 2019 has the higher upside in players. You have your DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown. These are guys that can finish top 10 in wideout proceedings, you know, as the years roll on. But I think that the 2020 class is a little more full. I think that you look for pretty much all of the picks in from the first two rounds. You have Henry Huggs, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, to the list goes on. The only potential bust I see in that second round is uh, Van Jefferson, so uh, who went to the Rams, and he really hasn't gotten too much usage this year. I, uh, I think that the 2020 draft class is a little more full, but the 2019 draft class has a little more uh, gems in it, the, the higher upside players. So I'll open the floor to you guys. Yeah, so Nico, I'll let you go off first. Sure. Yeah. So first of all, I love the Terry McLaurin love, um, probably my favorite player. Um, and I couldn't agree more. I, I really, I think a great comp for how he's kind of coming to the league. Plus kind of his style is Deandre Hopkins. And we've seen, um, you know, Deandre Hopkins was still great, even with horrible quarterback play for the beginning of his career. And then, you know, he, he's now been blessed with, you know, Deshaun Watson and then Kyler Murray. So, Please, God, um, I'm not a religious man at all, but please let a good quarterback go to Washington. Um, Justin Fields would be my preference. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I think that Terry McLaurin, you know, he definitely has the upside. I I would probably have DK Metcalf slightly ahead of him. I mean, he is um, playing with Russell Wilson, um, and he is just an absolute freak. But I, I don't think Terry McLaurin is far behind him. And then as far as the, the classes, I mean, I, I think I've got to stick with the 2019 class. You, you've kind of said it. A.J. Brown, uh, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, uh, the, these are all wide receiver ones this year. If, if A.J. Brown doesn't miss any time, he's definitely in the top 12. And D.K. and Terry are in the top 12. So uh, I, I think we saw generational talent come into the league last year, and the book is still to be written on some of these young guys. Uh, CeeDee Lamb has looked great, but, you know, what's the quarterback situation going to be there? Um, Justin Jefferson, you know, also looks great, but, you know, he he appears and disappears pretty often, and that's probably based more so around the offense that he plays in. But, uh, you know, I, I think from a consistency consistency standpoint, the guys that you can count on are going to be the guys from the 2019 class. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad you picked this topic because I'm actually gonna go the other way. Um, I think the 2019 class has the best wide receiver, DK Metcalf, out of all of them, and probably number two with McLaurin. But I think I have one real, I guess, wild card in the whole conversation, and that's Claypool. Um, I don't see any reason why Claypool couldn't end up a Metcalf or end up one of these guys where next year he's an elite wide receiver one. He has the same measurables pretty much. He's a little slower, but he's also a little taller. 
a little has a little more leap to him. Like I think we might be looking next year if Big Ben can still pull out maybe three or four more years. We might be looking at Claypool as the next Metcalf guy that we're really high on. Uh, CD, if Dak comes back, which I still think is most likely, that offense looks absolutely explosive, and he looked primed to do record things as a rookie within a room full of three people. Justin Jefferson right now is outpacing any of those guys from the 2019 class. Um, Metcalf, despite being really productive, was I mean, not despite, 900 yards is amazing for a rookie, but Justin Jefferson is a real threat to go over 1,000 yards as a rookie this year. Um, A.J. Brown, I think, probably right in the middle of those guys. I think – if he, I think AJ Brown could be the best out of all of them if he got a good quarterback just because of his yards after catch. He, in my opinion, already is the best yards after catch wide receiver in the league. He's like an elite running back when he gets the ball in his hands, especially downfield. But how often is he going to get the ball downfield? So, yeah. Hey, hey, Ben, you know what uh, wide receiver leads the NFL in yak yards after catch? Oh, it's Terry McLaurin. Go ahead, continue. Yeah, so I th- like I don't I don't watch enough McLaurin. I don't know how he plays. I would imagine he has a little more yak in terms of catching it forty yard, like and then being for getting forty yards when he burned a um, cornerback. I don't, I could be wrong there. AJ Brown is like juking like he's a running back. I don't know if McLaurin is doing that. I don't watch enough, but I I think you can inflate your yards after catch. If you are catching it when you've burned a guy for 50 yards, it's a little different than how AJ Brown gets his yards after catch, which is a five yard slant from Tannehill that he makes eight guys miss and takes it to the house. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think this 2020 class is going to be better. It's definitely deeper. I, I mean, Jalen Rager hasn't even really had a chance to explode. And I know a lot of people who have who had him ranked as the wide receiver one in this class. Um, smart people I trust, especially in the Debbie community. They've been on him for years. I mean, he could be a Tyree kill that comes out of this class. And so I think in the next, if we look back in three years, we're going to see a lot more names from this 2020 class in the top uh, 20 than we are the 2019 class. Although I will say we might see the 2019 guys at the top. Sure. And I think the book is still to be written on a couple of these 2019 guys as well. I mean, the, the, this has been an absolutely horrible year for Hollywood Brown, but I, I do think that we've seen glimpses of talent from him. It's more so been a lack of passing talent from his quarterback. And then Debo Samuel's just not been healthy at all this year. Plus you had Paris Campbell come out this year who looked – Absolutely fantastic, but can't stay healthy in his own right. So um, I'll give Nicole a little respect too. I mean, he's sitting in the wings waiting for a big <laughs> role in, in the Chiefs offense. If whenever Watkins leaves, he could end up a big guy there too. The thing with Nicole that I've learned as a as somebody who's watched that offense pretty closely is I think that his role is the Tyreek Hill role, and he's not going to have a full chance to uh, play a full allotment of snaps until um unless or until Tyree Kill is no longer there. And it doesn't look like Tyreek's going anywhere. So we'll see. He's a talented guy, but he's just not he's had plenty of opportunity. Sammy Watkins has been hurt most of the year and he's not taken advantage of it. So we'll see. 
Yeah, but it's definitely a really interesting exercise. Um, I'd love to come back in a year and do the same thing, not with the 2021 class, but do 2019 and 2020 again because that second year is – I mean, it used to be that third year, but now that, that's that's one of the crazy things about the whole conversation. When I first started playing fantasy, the consensus knowledge on it was third-year breakout wide receiver. Now we don't even wait for the second year breakout. We're grading them after eight games of their first year. And so like Nikhil Harry's already finished and he's not even in his third year in the eyes of the fantasy community and probably in real life. But it, it's interesting how quickly you, we are moving nowadays when in the past you would give a quarterback a couple years on the bench behind someone and you'd expect your wide receiver to start pitching in in year three. Now it's like, we need you now. Let's go. And that's a great. That may be a great topic for uh, another so down the the road. But a um, just the effect that social media has had on the talent pool that's coming in every year. You know, teams are able to find talent so much. You know, they're able to hone in on it so much more um, with so much more accuracy. That's why we're seeing, you know, all of these quarterbacks getting recruited and moving around in college until they find the right fit. Um, but the talent comes in heavier and heavier every year which is great it's great for football but uh guys are going to be expected to produce a lot sooner yeah so with that topic that wraps it up for us um as always we repeat the stuff from the beginning at the end so boohoo if you don't like it <laughs> check it check out our site fgbros.com check out the twitter at fgbros Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts of this podcast. And if you haven't yet, go out and check out the first couple episodes. I like to think we're getting better with each one. But as always, we would like your feedback on that because that is the most important. And uh, yeah, once again, check out our waiver articles and those pain points. And Chris, if you want to give any shouts to any other writers real quick, go right ahead. Yeah. I mean, they've been working super hard. Ryan Fenton Thompson, uh, pain points. You know, we mentioned some of those key injuries this week. I picked up some intel on the Andrew Whitworth injury, which is why I'm fading some of the Rams players. Really appreciate that. Uh, yours truly, right, in the waiver wire pieces. Really appreciate that. But uh, if you don't like any of our start sits or you're looking for some extra validation, we also just had uh, our start sit go live by Brandon Gunn. He gives you two to three players in each positional category that he recommends you start sit. And he has his own personal seal of approval stamped by him for his start and sit of the week. So you're going to want to make sure to check that out. If you have one of those two players, uh, definitely take those with a grain of salt. So looking forward to it. Yeah, nice. And we'll have Brandon on the show next week. So look forward to that. Um these are my parting words. What do you? Anything you got to say, Sneeko? Uh, no, just uh, look for my player props articles to come back this week, and follow me on Twitter at Dynasty Sneeko. Feel free to ask me anything over there, and uh, hope you guys win this week. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs>